0: Yeah, I just, I just bought, like, a job lot of um, Kerrang! magazines from the, like, 80s and early 90s uh-huh. back in the day. Um, and it was... It probably came to an obscene amount of money. It was, like, a £100 for, like, all, like, a massive stack of these. And I yeah. just thought... I saw it on eBay and I thought, I have to have them. They have the posters in them and everything. Um, so I... I had a very cool decorated room at the time um i've still got all of them they're in a box somewhere but dan reed network was one of the bands that you know was talked about in this you know in these kerrang magazines i was like dan reed network why have i never heard of this and i looked up ritual and i was like yeah this is badass love (laughs) it
1: it's just so funny to me that I yeah I had never heard of them either before, and clearly they had some sort of deal with the Rock Cards Company because everything else was like million selling artists, and then yeah. sprinkled in was the Dan Reed Network, and so um, yeah <laughs> they, the company whoever it was was clearly pushing them. But it's so it's so interesting just because the it it's I mean to be fair it's very cheesy stuff, um, yeah. <laughs> but in that very fun kind of way. But you know. Hey, you know it's like that's that's one of those that's one of those adventures of doing this shit is that I I occasionally wind up stumbling upon stuff that I otherwise never would have heard, and and then luckily I have awesome the shitheads. They're all a lot of (laughs) them are referring to themselves as shitheads now, which I love. Yeah, Um, uh, that uh, that will you know one of them finally you know. Stepped up and sent me a bunch of shit, so I ended up, yeah, that's fucking, that was just amazing because I, because yeah, he, I didn't know it was a whole box full of stuff. I thought, yeah, I thought, oh, he found a record for me and he's sending it to me. I'm like, that's already awesome. <laughs> anyway, hi, hello nice. everybody. We're just this is our, yeah. our, our our intro conversation about the Dan Reed Network, who won't be, I'm, I'm willing to bet, won't be in our list today of songs that we're talking about. <laughs> Um, cranked and ranked is the name of the show, but today is a CNR sidebar, which is is when we, well, to be honest, we're still ranking, so it's kind of still cranked and ranked, but it's, it's a
0: CNR rank bar.
1: (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Um, so, but, uh, we do our regular artist rankings, you know, band rankings and whatnot, Um, And then the CNR sidebar is kind of for episodes that don't really kind of fit in any of our sort of pre-named formats. And we can kind of just do whatever we want. And I almost think, I don't even know if you discussed this with me. I think that you sent me the link where you had the list of all of the shows. And you had just written in there the top 10 songs of our lives. And I immediately went what the fuck <laughs> What yeah. the fuck does that mean? <laughs> um, but, but then also I went that that's going to be a great discussion. And yeah. so that's what, and that's really basically all the discussion we had is we had a title, which is the hmm. top 10 songs of our lives, which I took on board as important in my life in some way, form or fashion. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's what we're doing today. The top ten songs of our lives, meaning old head. Me, with me as always, Eddie Sparks.
0: That That is me.
1: Uh, are already, those, sporting, already sporting the Christmas uh, it's, gear.
0: It's December. It's Advent. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal.
1: Do you know what that made me decide I want? And I know it's probably out there. Somebody's probably made it. But I want a Christmas sweater that says, Now I have a machine
0: gun. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, my cousin oh. has one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have to find that. Um, yeah,
0: it's badass. <laughs> but this isn't
1: the Christmas episode. There will be or a holiday episode. I I say Christmas. It's so weird when I say Christmas out loud because when I say it, it has nothing to do with Christ. And so, like, I immediately yeah. <laughs> go, Well, I should say holidays because it's like I'm not a I'm not religious. So and and so it's it has nothing to do with that. So it's just a mass. It's a yeah. it's a present mass holiday but mass. But even
0: even mass could be interpreted as as Christian. <laughs> like, I, I guess that's true. I'm I'm having some orange soda today. Very nice. You've been you've been on the sodies lately. You've been doing some sodi pops.
1: Yeah, they're good to give me a little bit of energy. Unfortunately, this is as has no caffeine in it. It's just yeah. sugar, sugar, and nice flavor. But um.
0: Got that nice crunchy ice ASMR going on too. Oh shit. I get we, we bought
1: a fucking we love a particular kind of ice so much we bought an ice maker that makes wow. these little crunchy cube ice things. And um I'm never going back. I'm never going back to just regular ass fridge ice or whatever or ice in a, really? in a cube thingy. No, fuck that. This is I, this is
0: there's something to be said for how ice is delivered, like what shape it takes. Yeah, you know we, we've you know my girlfriend and I we've recently invested in a in a spherical ice sphere uh thingy maker that makes bowls of ice and it oh. was kind of surreal you know and just a, sco- you just scoop it out of the bowl or whatever yeah 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 you know it was, it was kind of surreal having some balls in my mouth so uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um.
1: All right, we are we're already there. We're already at. I'm on um, it with the
0: zingers uh, today. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, I'm sure we'll go off on plenty of tangents, but the the <laughs> the top ten songs of our lives. The I this is one of those things that I had to just walk away from at some point because I I, I hmm. started off with a list of about thirty songs I think that and that's me even leaving out songs. I just was like, yeah. All right, these 30 definitely have to be in the top 10.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so little by little, which is why my 10.3 is. (laughs) No, my. uh, So I I did
1: whittle it down to 10. And so I had to really start thinking about okay, I've been on this earth for, you know, a little over 45 years, and my life has been. The majority of my life has revolved around music. More so yeah. than anything else. Like aside from music, the only thing that I think I've done more is uh eating and drinking and pooping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's all I've done more than uh than music. But all of um, the unavoidable shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to do it. But um so I started to think about my journey not only as a music fan, which is a huge portion of my life, but then as a music creator which is another large portion of my life and so I tried to represent those two things in the best way possible covering music that it was important and still is important so it can't Mm. be like I couldn't put Thriller by Michael Jackson whereas when I was a little kid that song was so important to me and really like became like me being a fan of an artist for the very first time but that song does not hold the same meaning to me today as it did when I was you know 7 hmm. years old or whatever so so that's kind of
0: where I came at it from and did you do kind of the same thing I've con- I've kind of gone down a a chronological route with my top 10 my 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 10 through one isn't necessarily uh, a case of quality or importance you know yeah. apart from maybe the top number one spot but for, for me these these songs represent moments in my life where i heard this sound and i wanted more and i ended up going down a rabbit hole so yeah. like You know that there were certain you know for example i I didn't end up with any dream theater on my list because i have yet to do a prog deep dive beyond you know kind of dream theater you know you could argue tool and queens but they're not at nearly in that progressive world as something like dream theater for example even though they i could totally see them on this list but I basically, I took it as a ten songs that made me, who I am today, yeah. sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So in that in the in the in that respect, there there's really only one song in my list that came out when I was an adult. Really. Like yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of like teenage stuff in there, but like that's that's kind of what those are the formative years. That's uh, especially for yeah. people like us. That's. Mm-hmm. A really big chunk of who we are And like we expand in different ways You know, hopefully But, um, yeah So, but mine, I actually put I actually worked out an order of importance In my life So, um, it's not chronological But it is, it is I, I'm 75% happy with this Order (laughs) So, um but yeah, so it's uh, so it's re- this is such an interesting thing because I, I constantly have ideas for videos on my channel that are kind of like this. And it gets so difficult for me to do it that I just completely give up on it altogether. <laughs> so you presenting this as an episode for us, it gave me a deadline and I went, OK, I can't fucking back out of this because I agreed to it. Um,
0: cuz I Sometimes have two you need someone else to commit to in order to get this shit done man like yeah. <laughs>
1: cuz I have you know I have a couple things like there's a there's a a video I want to eventually do maybe I'll do it in the beginning of the new year but um it's called the house fire 25 and it's essentially like the 25 records from my collection that if there was a fire and I could only grab 25 records what would they be and I'm not talking about albums or musically speaking it has to be Actual pieces of vinyl that are important for whatever reason, and then yeah. on top of that, I've I've always wanted to do like a, a Desert Island Twenty Five albums, yeah. And that's another one that I just I keep working on the list, and then I go fuck it, I'll do that later. <laughs>
0: well, well, I I tell you, it's ironic that you bring up uh, a house house fire situation today because the fire brigade came to my flat today. Uh, for what? Because uh the alarm went off like the, not just a smoke alarm in a room the whole building got evacuated like the like oh. the master alarm across the whole building just like starts going off um was it was there actually a fire or was it some hooligans No nah, <laughs> no nah, I, th- I think it, I think it was a fa- <laughs> I think it was a faulty alarm um the the alarm uh. It's done this last month as well, where it was like uh, clearly some dust or something has built up around like the sensors and that. And it's so annoying because it always happens at the worst time, like before coitus or about to take a shit. And, and you're just <laughs> For, like, For coitus. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's it's always at the worst time, you know, you know, it can never be while I'm at work. You know, it's always like, you know. Partner gives me the eyes. I, d- I, don't, I don't. I don't you, know. You move over slightly, and then ee, 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 fucking hell, God damn it! <laughs> I'm still baffled that you use the word coitus. Like how? I've is, never used that before. I just, I, it just came to me. In and in it's a, so in a funny the,
1: the 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 dirty shit that we talk about on this show, and then just in the in the aspect of you talking about you with your lady, it becomes coitus. Oh
0: yeah, well, like, you, you, you got to be classy, you know. <laughs> you know, and you know. so um, anyway, I was fucking this bitch, right? And <laughs> but I guess we don't we don't really talk like that. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not we're not one of the alpha bro podcasts that's like, you know. We're not a we're not a sketch on a Dr. Dre album. Nah, no. Nah, um, no, we're not going to hit you with uh, Andrew Tate levels of of masculinity. <laughs> yeah. Women are yeah. my property, and I—I I am, you know, I am going to jail. <laughs> did, or did he get out? Fucking get out! I, have yeah, no I, idea. I don't know. I don't know. i have stopped paying attention to shit like that now because I'm, I'm, really, I'm just like, what? Why do I need all these added stresses in my life? I don't give a fuck what he's up to. You I, know? Yeah, I—I <laughs> I have trouble keeping
1: up with any. Like, I—I I guess once again, like, I'm so filled with like music in my life, and that's what I'm constantly trying to be on top of. Not not only the music that I love, but new music and discovering stuff. So actually, so new stories that are unrelated to uh, to music, I might see it and go, "I wonder what happened to that." And then everyone's
0: just like, "Oh, you didn't know?" I'm like, "No, I did. I wasn't paying attention to that." Sorry. (laughs) I'm beginning to realize that you know there is a cutoff point of me before social media and after social media, and there is a definite heightened anxiety along with that I am I so relate to people who are like you know granted as as a very nature of you know what I want to do you know I I have to be online yeah but you know I I try my best not to look at the news because now I'm like uh fucking season four of the 2020s is coming and you know I wonder which two nations are going to start bombing each other next yeah just see you know yeah, I I think I do my if best. I wanna, if I want to hear about that stuff, I'm going to put an album on with some you know socially conscious lyrics and some fucking riffs. Yeah. Not tune into what depressing shit Sky News has to say anymore because it's just it's all fucking sad. Yeah, it's all sad. A lot Listen of Listen to it. music instead.
1: I think that I've I've pretty much carved out my little area of the internet because I'm on there a lot for everything that I do, but. Um, I've created this world where like I don't get fed very much non-music content most of the time. So much yeah. so that if I happen to be following somebody who's really into sports and they do like a sports post, my brain immediately goes, oh, people are still watching sports? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck's <laughs> watching sports? Um, and, because that's just my life. All that stuff has been shoved out. But anyway, yeah. back to music. Um, okay, I, we might as well just do it. There's the, the our top ten songs of our of our lives, uh, which uh, we yeah we might as well just do it. So and so you said yours are chronological, ten to one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. And, and it's and it's it, it. I approached it from what are the ten most pivotal songs in my life you know, that have led to where I am now. Um, cause okay. I've, I've long, I've long said on this podcast that, um, do hast by Ramstein was my introduction to what I liked about, you know, metal. Yeah. But I, I was thinking to myself, Ramstein haven't really stayed with me as much as another band on the guitar hero five soundtrack. Okay. Uh, So I'm kicking off this list with my number 10, Sweating Bullets by Megadeth. Wow, nice. This was my first Megadeth song, and I must have played that song twice every day. I loaded up that game for like a whole year, you know, until the next Guitar Hero came out. Yeah. Because I just I just absolutely fucking loved every second of that song. You got that intro with like the like long sustained guitar uh, leads and then mm-hmm. this like weirdly bluesy um ranty Dave Mustaine. Oh, yeah. man, it's nice talking to myself. Da-da-da. There's like a sass to it yeah. that only only Dave can pull off. Uh, not to mention the the solo, the breakdown, just yep. a, a weird but masterfully created song that just really opened my eyes to what metal could be, you know, where I was like, wow, this, you know, this doesn't sound like Black Sabbath or Iron Maiden. It's, it's like heavier, but it's also, I don't want to say like, it's fun. You know, it was like, it can be as heavy as it is fun. Um, And that's why this ended up being my favorite song on that game next to Two Minutes to Midnight and Looks That Kill. Because I just found myself drawn to that era, you know? Yeah. Because there were a couple modern metal songs on there. I think there was a Children of Bodom song, which was really fucking hard on the Expert difficulty. So I always failed at that. Mm-hmm. But, sweating bullets, man. That that was. I actually heard Megadeth before I knowingly heard Metallica. You know, I'd heard nothing else matters, but yeah, Megadeth actually came along in my life before Metallica. But I'll I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah. But it, yeah, sweating bullets is is my number ten.
1: It's a it's a. It, I love that song, but also like it. it it's a little. It's a it's a big reason why I get so kind of bored with modern, not just Megadeth, but a lot of those thrash bands, is because they don't take those kind of chances anymore. Nobody no. would do a song like that. I mean, some some no. would, but your your Megadeths and your Megadeths and overkills and and, and Exoduses, they're they're not gonna be doing a song like that. But unfortunately, we all that's, know what
0: works now. Yeah, but that but that is
1: what made those bands so special to me back in the day. Because of you would buy a new album from them and you were like, oh, I'm, you know, you kind of felt like you were gonna get something different.
0: It's the and, adventurousness of it.
1: I, and like, I I love that. And it's just like mm. so much of the adventurousness in in music. And I, I get it, you get older and you're It's a job now, Um, (laughs) and there's probably a little bit of there's probably still passion in there. I'm not gonna you know say that there's not, but at a certain point,
0: John, I need these riffs for the for the third quarter of the financial year. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Yeah.
1: but (laughs) but so I totally understand that. But there are some there are some bands uh, that are huge, and you know for goddamn sure they're a business. But you hear Mm -hmm. the music they put out and it seems like they're having a good time making music. And so mm. whether or not there's a deadline and and a whatever a quota or whatever the fuck it is, you know, but but I just, you know, but back then I just feel like the world of music was so much more open because nobody was was saying that there were rules, especially in the early 90s. It was like anything goes because yeah. There are certain things that you kind of know is going to be a hit, but a year later, are those same things going to be a hit? Because it's it's constantly shifting and mutating, and and uh, and everybody, you know, not everybody, but uh, uh, everybody I knew, we were all very open mm. to that. We we loved it. So I love that song. That's um, I didn't I didn't get to include a, a Megadeth on here. Um, wow! But. Uh, but that I mean that, that there was a Megadeth in my long list, but you know, it got it got whittled <laughs> down. So when
0: you say chronological, you're talking about chronological in your life, correct? In in my life, yeah. So so this this song would have entered my life early 2010. So, got it. Yeah. So
1: not too long before that, uh, 2003, I think something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was in a period of my life. Um, I was kind of referred to as the lost years, and not mm-hmm. not that not that I don't remember them, but starting around you know somewhere in the late nineties, um, everything around me started moving in a way that didn't feel natural or or fun to me. So like mm. me, the music that was coming out was shifting in a way where I went this just doesn't seem interesting or that fun anymore in the world of like metal and heavy rock music. And then all of the people around me, my friends had, had very quickly jumped ship. Like it was to it to my teenage brain it really felt like I went to bed going like metal. And then I woke up the next day and my friends were all like, we're listening to punk and emo now. And I'm just like, uh, uh, what? It's, <laughs> yeah. It, I didn't get that memo. <laughs> so, um, and, and so, uh, I, because they were my friends and I was young, I didn't really know how to process this kind of shit. And so, I ended up finding things that I loved in the world of punk and, and and somewhat in emo as well, but then eventually, you know, my friendships with a lot of people started to kind of like you know fade away, and I started to really realize that um, I am a very antisocial person and <laughs> and I, um, um, I I have I have severe anxiety. And so I, 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 with, I would withdraw from things a lot. And so once that all kind of started to happen and I was left to my own devices and I was like trying to find the music that would make me feel as good as all of that shit I love from, you know, young years up until, you know, mid high school or whatever. And. I went everywhere, like listening to all kinds of different stuff, even heading. I even went through a period where I went back and I was like, "What does Rolling Stone consider the best albums of all time? I'm going to go get to know those artists and those albums. I did all this shit exploring and and very few times that I find something where I went, oh, this is so good and this is giving me this feeling. It didn't it wasn't doing it for me. And so I was constantly but, you know, but I still had my go to's cuz you know I still listen I would still throw on like Injustice for All and be on like oh so fucking good but yeah. like I would hear newer metal and I would be like this seems too simplistic and kind of lame and a lot of dude bro action going on like it's like yeah. the football <laughs> players that used to want to beat me up for being into metal now they all started bands and I was just like ugh fuck this but then in uh, in uh, you know to long story longer uh and <laughs> I think it was 2003 uh I heard the album uh, uh Leviathan by Mastodon mm. and I knew of the band because they were starting to get you know some real traction and stuff in the in like the music news world and I just remember one day I went I'm gonna go check them out and I literally just put on song number one on Leviathan which is called Blood and Thunder yeah. and that was the moment that it was it almost kind of clicked like oh, oh shit thank god oh yeah. shit there's like there's like people doing great metal and I just have to like dig a little deeper and find it. But so Blood and Thunder is a fucking fantastic song. It gives me goosebumps listening to it every time. It's a I love it. But yeah. it's even more important because Something happened around that time, too, and and where I started to get reintroduced to the music that I had kind of left behind when I was younger Mm. and just going back to that. And I was like, wait, 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 the music that used to make me feel something great still makes me feel that. So why am I yeah. why do I feel like I'm supposed to discard the old stuff because that's what my friends did. But my friends were so just like, oh no, we're not listening to that anymore. Yeah. And and that's what I thought, oh that's what you're supposed to do if you're if you're going to be taken seriously as a as a music listener and 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 performer or whatever. But very quickly I was like, no. This is bullshit. Yeah. All that stuff is amazing. And so I started to, you know, that all came back to me and then at the same time there's all this other music from that same period of time that I didn't give the proper respect to. So I, so I, I dove. So this modern song really kind of just drove me to get back into yeah. a whole bunch of older stuff. But at the same time, it got me into Mastodon, and uh, and I I remember like soon after that, like it was a like, it was almost like a. Weird series of events where I heard the album And I was like, this is so good And I was like, oh, they're, they're coming to Austin on this tour And I, I went to go see them And it just felt so good to be at a metal show I was just like mm. It's like, this is awesome So that's kind of like It kind of threw me back on track um, if, yeah. Of being into Heavy music and into metal And, you know, there's still there. It was still hard for me to find modern bands That I love, it's gotten a little easier In the past handful of years but but the beginning of all that is hearing Blood and Thunder. And that song, I, it never gets old to me. It's always, always one of the biggest bangers in the history of music for me. So that's my,
0: that's my number 10. Well, I've got one hell of a segue here. Because Blood and Thunder was one of the guest songs on Guitar Hero Metallica. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. And you know what song was also on Guitar Hero Metallica? There was a lot there was other one. There was like Suicidal and all sorts of other stuff too, right? No, 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 no. Which Metallica song? Um which Metallica song? See if you can guess which one. What? Blew what? my fucking what? mind. One? I'd already heard one by this point. Uh whiplash. Think faster. Uh, Dyer's Eve, or Blackened. A little slower. (laughs) Battery? (laughs) (laughs) Nope, nope. It's on Ride. It's on Ride the Lightning. Creeping Death. Nope. (laughs) Fight Fire with Fire. Fire fire, (laughs) (laughs) with Fire. We're going to be here all day. (laughs) Same anger. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, my, my thing with Fight Fire with Fire, like... Creeping Death nowadays is my favorite
1: Metallica
0: song. Like, like that is a number one. I think that one and Blackened are always fighting it out for the top spot for me. But, I mean, when I first heard Fight Fire with Fire, I'd already heard Whiplash, and I thought, that's amazing! How are they playing that fast? And then I heard Fight Fire with Fire. And I was like, you know, you ever have... I mean, of course you did... But everyone who gets into thrash metal has that first moment where you hear something crazy fast, yeah, and your mind you you find yourself doing like the um, YouTuber thumbnail face in real life,
1: yeah. I, that uh, but mine is on my list. That that where yeah. I first heard something that was fast like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, man, like. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. but, Like the yeah. first time I heard Fight Fire with Fire it was the to that point it was the heaviest most furious angry th- heavy thing I'd I'd ever heard. Yeah. Like I couldn't believe it existed. It was that much of a game-changing moment for me cuz like I'd heard Sweating Bullets but that's not a that's not a fast song. No. Um like I think maybe the, yeah the clo- the fastest thing I'd heard at that point was Whiplash and I thought that was fast yeah. which it is yeah. but it's on the slower end of the fast spectrum when it comes to thrash metal um but when you enter the realms of fight fire with fire i mean jesus christ yeah uh, like and not just with how fast it is it's an incredibly composed song like the the harmony solo yeah. like oh yeah. man I, and
1: and, I, back. and I've, I've always loved how that it starts off the album with that sort of bait and switch where you've had the nice mm. little acoustic intro and then it goes into like the fastest song they had done at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm like, that's a, uh, yeah, I, that's, that's fucking great. Plus the first time I heard that song and that album, the, the it was the overall the, the reason why that it's there's many reasons why that's my favorite album of all time but i've yeah. always just thought the guitar tone on that fucking album is is so cool it's, it's so like,
0: mean sounding like, like i know that yeah. it sounds
1: really good on puppets as well but for something something about how it sounds with the production style on lightning i'm just like it's so great it's just yeah. like that's metal
0: guitar to me it just it's how it should sound it's it's raw but weighty i yeah. think i, th- I think uh, th- the thing with puppets is it's a very polished album by comparison in terms of production it's a lot cleaner whereas it, like ride the lightning took what kill 'em all was doing but added the weight that kill 'em all lacked yeah. you know cuz kill 'em all's great but it's very raw and quite trebly yeah and and mid-range this is just a fucking gut punch at 300 miles an hour you know yeah and it it, i mean hearing it like that was what sold me on thrash i was like i love this shit right here you know yeah Yeah. like that's a that's a there's before fight fire with fire and there's after fight fire with fire for me you could you could say you discovered fire Hey yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so thats uh, that's my number ways. nine. Awesome.
1: Uh, my number nine's uh, quite different. Okay. I first I first heard this song uh, when I was in in high school. And um, it's it's an interesting one because it's a song that I loved from the first time I heard it, but I didn't quite understand the impact it had on me for several years. Um, and it's uh it's it's weird how one two three four five six six of these tracks are first tracks on albums which makes sense because that's your intro you know to a lot of things but um my number nine is uh the song facet squared by fugazi uh which is uh, the first song on and on the kill taker and mm-hmm. um i uh it I got into Fugazi in high school and the that this particular song there was something about it it I mean the, the 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 main riff that you hear everything cuts out except for the guitar and that's like it just it's so fucking amazing but the song itself has this urgency to it, it and it and it's to me it's very heavy hmm. but also not really it's like it's like a, it, it's it it you hear it and you know i i remember clearly thinking well clearly this is like you know more on the alternative side of things for like you know the terms that were being thrown around back then um but i was i was there's there's a couple of songs like this on here along with this one where I, it kind of infected me. And I realized later, once I really started to get comfortable with songwriting uh, and not, not only, not just like songwriting, as in I sit at home and I write a song songwriting, where I was thinking about being on stage, playing the song and how everything Mm. would go together and possibly what other instruments would be doing. I started to realize that, I was always kind of going for that kind of vibe where it's heavy, but you couldn't really attach it to anything. Are there metallic Mm. elements? Yes. Are there punk elements? Yes. It's like, you know, it's so for some reason and, you know, as much as I love metal and metal has been a big part of my life, I don't know why the music I make always comes out very not metal well I mean it's it's partially metal but um and I think a lot of that has to do with you know, a few of these songs on here but but facet squared by fugazi is a really big a really big one because it kind of pushed me in that direction and it was almost like planting seeds in my brain so I would always pick up a guitar and it got to the point in the early 2000s when I was in bands. I would be writing stuff and I'd just be like, this just fucking sounds like Fugazi. <laughs> so I had to like, I just had to like, you know, like throw up my hands and be like, all right, I guess I'm trying to write Fugazi songs. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, nobody can really do that. Like there, there's a thing that they did that's just so unique. And so I guess that all, that's also part of it is that, you know, Fugazi is a band, you know, after seeing them live as well, I was just like, that's my, That became my, the, the bar for like, you know, I'm never going to feel satisfied being in a band until I look around me and I'm all like, yep, we could open for Fugazi. You know, that's, and I never felt that way. (laughs) Never (laughs) once. Um, But it sort of set the standard for me. And so that, that song's super important to me. And, and it just like with blood and thunder, it, it just, it gives me chills every time it starts because it's just so it's so ingrained in who I am as a musician. Um, and mm. so that ends up that ends up at number nine, only number
0: nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, uh, with that, um, I'm gonna move along a couple years in my musical development, where you know, I'd kind of done the thrash thing, gotten into the big four, and mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, you know, kind of been there, done that at this point. Dabbled in various other genres, but not really dove deep into any particular one of them. Yeah, and then a little thing comes along, starts with a G Does and an R, <laughs> and 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 proceeds with another U N G and an E, spelling the word grunge. Oh, <laughs> you, got yeah. you to just <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: that was like de- uh, like uh, like decoding some sort of sm- secret message. I was just
0: like, "Wait, what? What is this? What's the same?" Yeah, yeah. That as could could be my most cryptic segue yet. Um, but my kind of turning point for realizing I like something that isn't just yeah. Uh, but uh, I need to find out what that is. Yeah. And so that big moment for me was, you know, a combination of factors, namely a a, a little uh, only the best selling game of the PS2 era, GTA San Andreas. Yeah. Introduced me to this to this number, the Grunge Station Radio X. My number 8 is plush by stone temple pilots
1: that's a damn good one it's not it's not on my list but that is like that's one of my, i think one of the best songs of the 90s right there
0: yeah yeah and and like it, i think it was like it early in the morning one sp- spring morning in 2012 it was a weekend uh i turned on the ps2 and all of a sudden this song that i'd heard several times just hit me at the right moment, yeah. and I just loved how kind of weird and wet, but still distorted the guitar sound. How spacious the song is, you know. Scott Weiland's uh, Scott Weiland's wailing, you know, way on the dogs defend her. Yeah, vocals going on. But the thing that really hooked me on this song was that really psychedelic pre-chorus in that song. Yeah, where like everything opens up and it's like. It's like you've been thrown into the swimming pool on the front cover of Nevermind, and you're just like, oh, this is grunge, dude. Like, it, I just remember sitting with my um, amp that I still have right next to me. It's a line six Spider, um, and it had like all the built in amp settings. And I just remember this was the song that made me put chorus on every tone I came up with because i was like right well it needs the uh it needs to sound like a cross between plush and come as you are and also um the black album so i just like have these really distorted tones but i would always put chorus on them um and then i found out about zach wilde era aussie and then that was just like a whole other thing but anyway (laughs) um uh yes plush is just an incredibly well-written song Mm -hmm. um it's it's rocking but it's real laid back and it's what i'd refer to as one of my bath jams it's like you know it's it's a song where you listen to it in the bathtub and it hits different dude like and which makes me sad that i no longer have a bathtub uh just a shower um I've considered buying a cauldron and sitting in it. Um, just go pick. Well, I guess no. You you're not. You don't have a yard. Um,
1: but I was like, if you did, you just go buy one of those. They they now sell inflatable jacuzzis.
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I've got a balcony. I could do that. There you go. Yeah. yeah I don't know if it would fit on there, but Prob- it's probably worth a try. Not, but yeah. Uh, that being said, though, I mean plush even took on a new meaning when i already started to like this this thing called grunge Yeah, you know, i'd already started to like it but then around you're talking like may 2012 i was involved in a in an incident with another student that uh led to the breaking of my kneecap and yeah. uh i was on my ass for a few months before I recovered and had surgery on it but just uh, just in re- case
1: and, and it, it, some of you didn't hear the story before when we told it on this show I just we just gotta clarify that he did he wasn't in a fight it was a
0: dumbass kid I guess he thought it was a prank by you' know, kicking you or whatever uh, it it was like you know I was kind of running past I, I you know and we were kind of friends on and off but like you know kind of Tapped him on the shoulders before a PE lesson uh, and it startled him. And I think it startled him to the point where it really angered him. And he, uh, flipped me over his shoulder, Kung Fu style, karate style or whatever. And, uh, I landed on my already dislocated kneecap at this point in the melee landed with my full weight on it. And, uh, it had, it had gone 90 degrees to the right and snapped in half, which is, which is not a pleasant sensation. Um, but, but skipping, that, you know,
1: skipping forward to the recovery.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, at the time, my uncle, uh, who at various times in my life has shown me music that I've inevitably ended up loving mm-hmm. uh, and ha- and is a musician and has been in bands himself, the basically when I was incapacitated, whenever they had a rehearsal, they were like, hey, do you want to come to the rehearsal space and we'll like kind of show you the set list so you can like see the inner workings of a band before you get out there and make your own. I was like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, dude. So I've basically sat in a, um, deck chair with my, uh, leg propped up on a drum stool and, uh, basically had these, um, these like grunge gigs all to myself. Nice. And it was really cool. Cause, cause plush was one of the songs they covered, And I was like, Okay grand theft auto san Andreas, uncles band both have the same song things have fallen into place yeah i need to get into grunge um and and i did and y- you'll see with the with a few other uh 2012 was a very piv- pivotal year for me because that's the yeah. year i discovered that the 90s and especially the early 90s were just fucking goated absolutely <laughs> yeah I mean speak, so yeah, spe- yeah, that's my number eight. <laughs> Speaking of that, my
1: number eight came out in the uh, in the early 90s and it's not uh, it's not it's very it's far from grunge. Um, but <laughs> this was at the time I heard this song so that I was, you know I was a sponge at that point with with mm. rock and metal and I was always looking for the next thing. Um, no matter what that was, it was, you know, whether it was, uh, something that was a little bit weirder, um, something that was more mainstream, something that was heavier. I was just always, always just like, I, you know, I, I, I'm kind of still the same way now only with, with not as much good music out there, but I just always was looking for, for other things. And then my, my friends and I all started, you know, getting into like heavier and heavier music and then one day i heard the song hammer smashed face by nice. cannibal corpse <laughs> um i don't remember i don't remember when i heard this song um and, and i don't remember if i heard an obituary song first or this one but this one like i like i got into death metal but this one had the most impact because it was the most brutal um, and yeah. i had never the, the, the blast beat thing was pretty new to me but the guttural vocal thing, especially the way it's done on that album, on Tomb of the yeah. Mulated, is Mutilated was the creepiest weirdest thing I'd ever heard and I was just like, why does this work for me? And it really yeah. did and it's, at that point it was the heaviest thing I had ever heard and it really like drove me To you know, it started my love of death metal, but also just the idea that I really enjoyed this really beautiful. So I already listened to rock music, and my my dad was already just like, "I just a bunch of noise." But now I was getting into music that legitimately he would say that, and I'd be like, "You got a point." (laughs) (laughs) But I but I realized that like I I loved it so much, so much so that that I started to, to realize, it started to become a ritual where, you know, at the end of the night, my, uh, I'd have to go to bed before I had to get up for school in the morning. And I just remember that we had like a rocker recliner in the living room and I would get my Walkman. And the last thing that I would listen to every night would be a death metal album, because for some reason it would really like shut everything off in my brain and I would start to Mm. get really sleepy. And I would just be like, you know, once the, once the deicide album ends or whatever, I would just be like, all right, time for bed. And I don't know what it, what it was about that. I mean, it still kind of does it for me now. Um, We're just really aggressive music sometimes just really like, and I don't think it's necessarily relaxing me. I think it has to do with my overactive brain and my anxiety. I think it just does mm. something to shut that off. And yeah. And because so it's
0: so, it, so extreme and yeah, full and, of information basically. It's yeah. Like- and so I'm, and so it re, so I feel
1: it in my body where I'm just like, all of a sudden I'm able to disconnect from the nonsense in my head and just go, oh, okay, cool. And, and, mm. and, and, so and Hammer Smashed Face was the beginning of that. And it's an absolute fucking classic. Um, so yeah, number eight, Hammer Smashed Face.
0: Very nice. Um, well, I'm going to stay in the same kind of zone as I was before, but kind of on, a, on the other end of the same kind of area. So okay. grunge era, but not necessarily grunge band. My... Next pivotal song in my life from this same time period. So s- still 2012. We're yeah. going to be here for a while. Um, Midlife Crisis by Faith No More. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So this song alongside Epic, uh, Falling to Pieces, basically any of them that had a video, I just started. Uh, I saw the video for Epic and I was like, I need more of this. Uh, and then i realized midlife crisis was also on the same radio station as plush yeah but it didn't sound like plush but i still found myself drawn to it which further told me shit dude maybe maybe there's just something different about this era that you're just drawn to Mm -hmm. um and so everything about midlife crisis is just expert... A, it's an expertly written song. Yeah. B, it's a strange song. Yeah. And C, it's got that massive chorus. And, like, talk about a song having everything going for it, man, because I had never heard anything like this. Yeah. And I still haven't heard anything like this before or since. No, No. Like, no one nobody in any meaningful capacity has replicated faith no more in a way that wasn't completely just flat out derivative yeah um because the beauty of faith no more was you had like five completely different guys who had no business (laughs) being in the same band yeah somehow being one of the best bands and it's like I I just remember being so drawn to this band when I discovered them because, you know, I came in thinking Jim is the coolest. And then I, you know, I still think Jim is really cool, but I came away from it thinking, wow, all five of these guys have something really cool about them even though they're all completely different. Yeah. Um and yeah, it was just this gateway into this World of not only alternative metal but alternative music in general, where I thought to myself, "Wow, this is a this is an area where there is no rule book,
1: you yep. know." Yep.
0: And and that was the first time I started thinking to myself that I'm not your average metal head, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I'll wear a battle vest, but you know, you know what you're gonna find next to, you know, fucking priest Soundgarden is also going to be right there too yeah um but man like midlife crisis is one of those songs that to this day with the hundreds of thousands of times i've heard it still hasn't lost any of the punch that it had with me on the first time i heard it and it's one of the tracks on my favorite album of all time which is angel dust by obviously faith no more Mm -hmm. um and that that that's my desert island disc right there because there's so much variety, but it's also so cohesive. Yeah. Um, I mean, midlife crisis, dude.
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: What else is there to say, man? It was, what a monster it, of a song. <laughs>
1: that's that's one of mine that got cut from my top ten. Um, wow. Ju- ju- just because the 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 big thing, th- it was really a battle between two songs, uh, from a particular era that un, un, above any other tracks I put them on and they transport me I physically feel the early 90s and it's mm-hmm. so odd that a song can conjure up like a time period in your brain and so yeah. Midlife Crisis was one of them but the other one that I chose it's later on actually took precedence over that or whatever um so yeah, so I had to leave midlife crisis out, but it I that's easily one of the most important Faith No More songs for me. Um I mean Epic nice. is was a big deal for me, but yeah, when when I think it's also because like Angel Dust was one of those albums that it was the first one of the earliest ones I can remember where I didn't know anybody else that listened to it. Yeah. I, I felt like I was the weirdo because I was really into to this album and other people didn't like it. And so
0: cuz they're stupid.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I but it's like that I've kind of carried that with me for the, for, the, for my entire life or whenever there's that album that comes out and I go, "Oh, I really like this." And I kind of check the check everybody's pulse and I go, "Oh, this isn't a thing that like tons of people are jumping on. It's even more important to me now." Yeah. And, yeah. So, but but yeah, so I yeah, but I had to leave it out. But but for my number 7, we're sticking you're right, yeah, the so we're sticking in 1992, which 1992 was was Angel Dust, but also this album. Um so we're we're kind of getting back on musically influential to me as a songwriter and a musician and a guitar player. All of these things um uh, uh, but if you if anybody out there just listening to the uh track that I just dropped like a week ago, um, under my my alias supporting actor, um, the one band name that everybody kept throwing out there, I'm like, I hear a lot of this in there. I'd be like, yep. Uh, my number <laughs> s- my number seven is "Unsung" by Helmet. Oh, nice! It, and th- this was my. Pretty much my introduction to Helmet in ninety-two. And it has their music from that time period has so much informed my guitar playing, my songwriting, everything. Once again, you know, it's another band that could easily just you could just they could they could open for a metal band, but yep. they could also open for some sort of indie rock band, and they would kind of work in both ways. But Unsung was just one of those things where I first heard the song and it was the, what do you call it, staccato, the the the, the stop and start of yeah. the riff where the drum, everything would drop out but the drums. And I just remember, and it was so just like rhythmically on point with it. And I was just like, this feels, this feels so good to me. Um, You know, kind of the same way with like with like hip hop, which I actually didn't get to include a hip hop song, which would have probably been Peter Piper by Run DMC because that was the first one I heard. But um, I really think that that part of my brain, the part that got really into hip hop when I was a kid, heard a song like Unsung and and soon after Rage Against the Machine and stuff like that. Um, that's why like I gravitated towards that music because I just like I love the idea of every part of the band is important to the rhythm of the song and I'm just like how fucking cool is that where the whole fucking yeah. band has to be fucking locked in because it's it's that important you know it's because before that you know it's like you had your rhythm section and the guitars would be on top playing open chords or going Wee- it didn't fucking matter. But all of a sudden, you have bands where everything is did it, part of the get rhythm. It,
0: did it, did get it, it, it. You yeah. need to be like right on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. And so it's it's
1: it's highly influential to me. Um, I wouldn't even, I, I don't even, I wouldn't call it my even my favorite helmet song. But it's definitely the most important helmet song to me. And it just, it really nudged me in that direction of, of at that point, Really connecting with that the the music, where which is why like you know I I ended up getting a little bit into some of what would end up being like rap metal and stuff. But even that I kind of lost me at, at some point too. But it all it yeah it all started with Unsung because it just he just hearing that rhythm because I because like you know it's it it was it was almost like you know you could say that about like when I first heard Epic by Faith No More that's got hip hop quality to it. But at the end of the day, it's the guitar isn't doing any of the rhythm. It's, it's mm. the, it's the rhythm section. And then, and obviously Mike's vocals are wrapped as well. But yeah, unsung was just like a, a huge deal. Cause like I was learning how to play guitar. I learned how to play the entire meantime album and I'm still writing riffs Where I'll write the riff and I'll go, God damn it, that's fucking Helmet. (laughs) 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 But you know what? Helmet's not really doing things that I'm interested in anymore. So,
0: you know, somebody's got to do it, I guess. So um, that's my number seven, Unsung by Helmet. Cool. Well, the thing I love about that is is that you also man- managed to mention uh, GTA San Andreas Radio X song. So that's one I don't feel bad about not including anymore. <laughs> what? Oh, the oh the uns- unsung, uh, unsung. Yeah. Um, staying on that subject yeah. because we're still in the um, incredibly game changing year for me of twenty twelve where I decided to spend my twenty twelve in nineteen ninety-two. I've got isn't it isn't it fascinating that
1: like nineteen ninety-two was a game changer year for me and then you're yeah. experiencing it again tw- 20, twenty years, years on. later.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because my number six is Them Bones by Alison Chains. Oh fuck yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. this was when I realized that Alice in Chains were like me if I was a band. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like if, if, if if someone took my personality and, and pre-existing tastes and you threw them into a melting pot, you would inevitably end up with something that sounded like Them Bones by Alice in Chains. Yeah. It's got the metal qualities, but it's got the grunge aesthetic going on. Um... You're just everything about everything about nineties Allison Chains, man, is just top tier. All right, facelift through tripod, you know, but especially dirt.
1: Yeah, but, and this. But also being the, the intro. I'm trying yeah. to interrupt you, but the, the thing about them Go bones for that it. The, the the thing about them bones that is a, a characteristic of why music was so awesome back then was because that was a single with a music video on MTV. Yeah. The entire song is made up of riffs that don't like a lot of riffs like are kind of circular or have some sort of pattern that kind of rematches together. But literally the verse and the chorus are both sort of ascending riffs you know and then the chorus it's just it's and they're all and it's all an odd time signature so put just those words that i just said and be like that was a song on MTV and i'm just like that i just and it's and you wouldn't even know that that's one of the songs that's so well done that you don't really even notice how weird it is when you first yeah. hear it, because you're just like, oh, it sounds fucking great. But it's like, if you really deconstruct it, it's
0: like, it's very weird. The way that it's the way that's put together. It's almost as if it has everything working against it being a hit and it succeeded out of spite alone. Yeah. Like, I
1: mean, it, w- it wasn't their biggest song, but it definitely was a song. I mean, people know it, you know, and, and yeah. so, but it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, man. Like that is a that's a benchmark moment for me as well. Um, like I'm not even gonna lie, these past three songs—they're all on the same radio station in GTA San Andreas—and mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, highlight how much of a game changer 2012, <coughs> 1992, in my case was. Yeah. Um, because I just had, you know, I'd had a couple years in the thrash zone, but then my like—it was the first time since getting into. Uh, heavy music that something else had opened to me and it was like yeah it was like being in a hallway full of doors and finally finding the key for this other one and it's like oh my god i have a whole other room to hang out in you know yeah yeah (laughs) um so yeah that that is my number six and uh after managing to drink nearly an entire (laughs) thing of water i'm gonna really quickly go for a pee break I we'll will be, we'll be, be right back after Piss. And we're back.
1: <laughs> um, cool. All right. Cool. So hopefully, you know, well, I mean, I edited it together so nobody had a pee break. Like you, know, you could pause it. Um, <laughs> moving on to my number six. Cool. So this is, uh, we're getting into the thrash zone here for me and i think oh, I've, yes. I've i think i've told this story several times on different occasions on my channel but uh, i was in the 6th 6th grade i believe um, so this would have been uh, 1990 89 90, no this, this would have been this would have been the beginning of 1990 and there was a girl in one of my classes that kind of figured out that i liked like heavier rock music but at that point like I was listening a lot to I was listening to Faith No More and King's X and Living Color and uh, Guns and Roses and, you know, things like that. And um, and uh, so she was like, here, I want to let you borrow these two tapes. And the one of the two tapes was the uh, the, the debut album from uh, Trickster. And uh, I didn't really take to that one, although I although I do enjoy it. Um, but the other one I was. Gonna was say, you're
0: about to have Give It To Me Good on your top 10 <laughs> songs. That's my number time. one. That's my number yeah. one. <laughs> uh, it's my
1: number one favorite music video of all time. Um, oh, that's great.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: but no, the other tape was State of Euphoria by Anthrax. And I just remember kind of like the cover was pretty cool looking. But I just remember popping the tape in the tape deck. And after the little cello intro, and the song kind of builds uh, and then gets a little bit faster and faster. But once the verse of the song kicks in with the sort of downbeat thrash thing that they are doing yeah. in that song, that was the fastest thing I had ever heard. Listening back to it, it's not very fast,
0: but it but was the pounding. F- ben-a- 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 yeah. It ben-a- was ben-a- the first b- time yeah.
1: I'd ever heard that and guitars doing that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And so. I just remember just I fell in love with that sound immediately. And and you know soon after that was when per- Persistence of Time I think had just come out around that time, so I got that one too. So it really led me into to thrash metal. But that particular song, it's it 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 is where it all began cuz like thrash especially classic well, that era thrash, I uh, has been so important to me over the years, and I just love that sound so much. And that's that mm. that was the introduction it, uh, to it, and really, like the first actual metal that I think I ever listened to. Because everything prior, everything other than that, sure, like the Faith No More and King's X and the bands like that, they have metal moments in them, yeah, but. They wouldn't be categorized as metal. So really, not only is "Be All End All" did I say did I say the name of the song? Yeah, "Be All Be All End All." The um, not be only Wendell. yeah, be, <laughs> the uh, not only is it the the beginning of thrash for me, but really like the 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 gateway into metal and heavier and heavier things.
0: Hmm.
1: And so that song and that album just it's still one of my favorite things of all time, just because it's so important to me. And that particular, yeah, that fucking song. That's another reason why, like, I, I hate it that the band doesn't really think it's that great. And I'm just like, eh, come on, you guys need to back up and for a second, because yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's amazing. I love I love that album so much. But that that first song is just such an important moment in my life. And yeah, I've been a thrash fan ever since.
0: So that that's my number six, be all end all. Very nice. Top five. Well, not very nice because we're still in 2012. Don't don't worry. We are gonna we are gonna move on beyond here. But here's the last the 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 last quarter of the 2012 yeah. 92 deep dive. And I have at my number five Everything About You by Ugly Kid Joe. Oh man, I don't. I expected this to be number one, but I guess. Oh well, you're, but you're it, doing it chronologically. I'm, it. I'm doing it chronologically. Yeah. So but you this know, would there's be, every. Posi- this
1: is your favorite song of all time, right?
0: It's it shifted. Um, a different song is now my my number one. Is that one in your list? It is on my okay, list. Okay, so we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. The only one that is in actually any form of order is my number one. Interesting. I'm really yeah. curious now. Okay. So, yeah. It's it, give it to me good. But if, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tell me what's your name. Uh, me, a great, I'm just a rocker. Great... I ain't got much to say. <laughs> it's all right. I oh, fucking love that. Uh, but yeah, everything about you. This song had lived in my subconscious from Wayne's World for like yeah. four straight years up until the point where I saw the music video for it, which was on like a Kerrang TV or Scuzz TV. Yeah. A hundred greatest rock songs of the 90s or something. And this showed up about halfway down. And I was like, this is that song from my favorite movie. And then I was like, oh, these guys actually fucking rule. Then I went and checked out America's Least Wanted. Yeah. and. I, from start to finish, it was like the most me album I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah. It was like, it had the 80s metal shred riffage at times, but it also had that grunge aesthetic that I was really drawn to as well. So it was this like meeting point of everything I was into in a single band. And I mean, that's why I love everything about you. It managed to transcend genre boundaries where it was like I I don't know where to put this do I call it do I call it grunge or do I call it metal or hard rock all of the above cuz you know it's got like the sonic qualities of everything that was happening at the time yeah it's even got a funk metal section at the end and yeah. you know it's just such a great song you know and I it it's one of those that even on my shittiest day, that song comes on, and I can fly from a two to to at least a eight or a nine in seconds in terms yeah. of in terms of mood because I'm like, you know what, I'm a t- I'm a I'm a remove the rope from around my neck right now because <laughs> this song's <is> on, <laughs> you know, this song rules, and as long as it's here, I'm here to yeah. fucking stay. Hell yeah, you know it's. Total party of the song, love it. It's it's
1: one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, but but I, I I ended up having to leave it out because I wouldn't necessarily call it an important song for me. But it's it definitely mm. has one of those qualities where it's it, it's like that for me. I just it feels good always every time I hear that yeah. song. Have a good time always. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I guess well, for my number five, the song that that nudged out midlife crisis, um, for a a song that, you uh, if 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 a sound could be ninety two, or that period of time, especially ninety two ninety three, and it just feels, I can't even explain it. It it's it, it's it's so bizarre that a combination of sounds just brings you right back to your your high you know high school early high school days and just how everything felt at the time um and the number one song for that is Wood by Allison Chains. It's oh, this got nudged out by them bones for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it Wood to me is one of the greatest songs ever written. Um, Tall and and Yeah, it's just. But that's that's all. It's so weird because the 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 number one reason why it ended up on my list and at number five are things that I can't really explain. It's it's just a song that just captures the emotion of that period of time for Mm. fourteen year old old head, young head. You know, Um, so. Because it does have heavy qualities, it has emotional qualities, it's it, it lives in this world where there's metallic elements and alternative rock elements, and that's just like that's just so much. I mean, we're talking about 1992 and so much here, and we're mentioning Cannibal Corpse, Helmet, uh, mm. uh Alice in Chains, uh, Ugly Kid Joe, it's like all of these things, and you know, I think. Even me, somebody who was there, I, sometimes I take for granted the fact that so much great music was happening all at the same time. Yeah. And it's like a lifetime's worth of music happened in about three or four years for me. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, wood is wood is so just like that. It feels like the 90s. Um so I don't know if it if it does that for anybody else, but if anyone ever said, you know, what were the '90s like? Just I would just play Wood and be like, just listen to this. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Feels kind of it felt kind of like that. Um, so it ends up ends up being number number five. This is like the the one that is more of the feeling song. Which is why I I, I kind of put it at five. But it it uh it uh, yeah it always it always just it, it, the nostalgia overload every time
0: I hear that mm. song. I can attest to this because I wasn't even there, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, like, like it's this weird thing. I think the word is is, is anamoya, which is a nostalgia for a time yeah. you weren't in. We talked but, about that, but you know, it's it's that thing of I know exactly what you're getting at because I've I've consumed so much media and and content and music from that era Mm -hmm. that i feel like if i wasn't there firsthand i've got a pretty damn good idea of the aesthetic you know it's 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 like what most recently i um well as recently as yesterday i bought a load of like maxi singles um and a lot of those were Dan Reed Network um, ones, but and he had some Adam Seed in there too, which was yeah, yeah. which was uh, and, and- which was these dudes really like like Faith No
1: More. That's all I remember when I heard that band. I was like,
0: they like yeah. Faith No More. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing as well. Like, I've I've kind of I've trained myself to spot something that looks ninety one or ninety two from a mile away. Yeah, and like the as soon as I laid eyes on like a a portion of the artwork i was like <laughs> yeah grab it yeah flip it over Hmm, yes just as i suspected what's that 1991 yeah it's going in the bag yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> and i'd never heard of atom seed but oh okay but you, you know one of those moments where you're like I know exactly what this is just by looking at it, and I was one hundred percent right. Yeah. And I got home and I I looked it up. I haven't actually played it on the uh, turntable yet, but I, I did look it up on um, took computer and gave it a listen. And I was like, "Yep, funk metal." Jackpot, I don't. Bingo. Yeah,
1: I don't even know what the song was, but the I, it was the only video by them that I saw on on Headbangers Ball. And it was, and, I, and it really does sound like they heard Epic and were like, "Ah, we're gonna do something like that." <laughs> <laughs> it just yeah. seemed seemed so faith in a more, you know, uh, but they're but are they, are they a UK band? Adam Seed? I think they might be.
0: I I would have thought so, being yeah. as the the readily available maxi singles in a in a record store nowadays. Man, I can't, that's, yeah. that's,
1: that's like a dream to, to walk into a record store and find stuff like that. It doesn't happen here. It's <laughs> you're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to get the same Herb Alpert album with the girl with the whipped cream all over her and every single <laughs> record store and the BGs yeah. and other stuff. It's all just, it's all the same records <laughs> everywhere you go, which is why I don't really go to record stores that much. I, I do sometimes, but
0: rarely. I will say uh shout out to, Music Nostalgia, the record store in uh, Truro, owned by some uh, friends of mine, you know, if you're oh, ever sweet. in Cornwall. If you're ever in Truro, check those guys out, because they've got a, I've got a they've got a bitchin' record store. Um, and they've got a bunch of, you know, your, sta- your standard stuff, but they've also got a bunch of cool, weird stuff that you come across every now and again. Like, I, I found... Found one time like a like an a Queensryche Empire picture disc in the tri rike shape, and I was just like, "Oh, that's so fucking cool!" If I had to, if I had money at the time, I'd have bought it, but I was yeah. sort of broke at the time. Um, but but really, yeah. the only the only
1: thing that like that I get jealous of for people that go to record stores often is that they find bootlegs. And yeah, and that's all because you can't I do a lot of my shit through discogs and it, it discogs and eBay, you can't do bootlegs for the most part. Um, really? and so I'll see you know, somebody has like an anthrax live bootleg, and like you know, the the I see a lot of the Metallica ones, but I go, Oh, those are ones that are already on CDs and in box sets, and they've just pressed it on vinyl. But there's other stuff yeah. where I go, God, nobody's gonna put that out. I I, I want to have that on vinyl but yeah whenever i go to the record store those things are not there so
0: i'm definitely at a point in my vinyl buying life where i favor weird and wacky stuff that i find out in the wild at the minute compared to uh compared to buying albums lately i find myself more drawn to um stuff that you wouldn't see listed in like a top 10 list where you know i I like funny little weird color vinyl eps at the minute you know i'm really drawn to that sort of thing yeah um because they feel like a bit of a relic of a bygone era at this point because they don't i mean unless you're a super fan you know that goes straight to the online merch stores of a lot of these bands you don't see an awful lot of i mean i suppose you do but you know i definitely find myself drawn to those like maxi singles at the minute I'm I love maxi that.
1: singles. They don't they don't they don't really make those at all anymore. And that's and that, also a lot of a lot of the great ones that I have are from Europe and the UK and everything because they didn't like rock bands putting out maxi singles. That didn't happen a lot in America. It was all yeah uh pop pop music had a, had a lot of those. So you could easily yeah. get, you know, a Paula Abdul maxi single, but uh, the Faith No More ones that I have are all are all uh imports from from europe so
0: yeah i got a few of those yeah pretty cool but yeah that's uh where are we at where are we at my dude uh number you're number four right okay uh we finally get to move ahead a couple years so um after being firmly entrenched in the grunge zone for about two years you know i felt it necessary to to further expand my uh my flavor palette in terms of you know something new to check out and for me a big one like 2014 for me was a big year in terms of all of these doors opening you know i'd had my thrash couple years i'd had my grunge couple years now all of a sudden i'm hit with this wave of and 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 it's it's a time i really wish i could live over again because it was like you know how I mentioned before, it's like a corridor full of doors, and you keep yeah. finding, like, one key every two years? Yeah. This one felt like five of them opened all at once, and I was just <laughs> running from one to another trying to figure out what, they, what to do. Like, I'm talking around this time, I got into everything from Led Zeppelin to The Misfits, Toto, and this one I'm going to mention at my number four nine inch nails head like a hole nice yeah yeah that was the moment i realized oh this industrial thing's pretty cool huh yeah and then you know i went and checked out head like a hole just on a whim i was like i've heard a lot of good things about this this nin band i will check them out uh, Yeah. head like a hole Uh, and then like everything comes together with that like super heavy riff played on a like synth bass where i realized to myself oh my god something doesn't necessarily have to be metal to be heavy yeah. or e- even played on a guitar at that point. So I'd say that kind of opened my eyes for like synth wave down the line, like a, like a year later when Kung Fury came out yeah, and yeah. true survivor, like all of that. <laughs> like That's when I started really lapping up the eighties synth wave nostalgia stuff. I'm trying
1: but, to not, not to derail you on that. I'm trying to get into that stuff, but the stuff that I like is the darker, heavier stuff. I actually just pre-ordered the new album from Ghost. I know it's pronounced. I think it's pronounced Ghost. But yeah. every time I say that, I go. There's already a band called Ghost. I'm gonna call you yeah. Ghost <laughs> so everyone knows what I'm talking about. But the new. I've always really liked the stuff he does, and that's yeah. that's my area of like the synth wave where it's like it's like like literally this album's coming out on Metal Blade, so it's like you know it's a yeah. it's got a heavier Quality to it, which I guess is what Nine Inch Nails had a lot of the time as well. Yeah,
0: um, but I, I really especially like that. on that Pretty Hate Machine yeah. era,
1: which I yeah. but I've but I've been trying. I always try to go listen to other synthwave stuff, and it's and it's, it seems like it's very rare that something has all the elements that I want because some of it it's all good and enjoyable, but not. It's missing. It's always kind
0: of missing something for me. I have several recommendations to hit you up with at at uh, at a point where I can get oh, everything in okay. front of me. Yeah, because uh, re- so, really, the so. two
1: big ones for me that I definitely like are Ghost and like
0: Perturbator. Um, I like I like those. Have you checked out uh, Carpenter Brute?
1: No, but I've heard the, of them. So I, I they
0: they lean very heavy into the. Synthwave instrumentation making metal music. Cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, like that shit. Yeah, so it's got a very um metalheads take on synthwave thing to it. Come come to think of it. I'm I'm dropping some synthwave recommendations right fucking now. Uh okay, what we got here? Obviously the Kung Fury soundtrack. Oh, that yeah. is yeah. that is a gold mine. Um atlas by fm84 has some cool stuff on it that one's a bit poppier and more chilled out but the the 80s movie aesthetic to it is just gorgeous yeah. uh, drift stage volume one by myrone is like uh if steve Vai made a kick-ass video game soundtrack um, Nice. and there's also one there's an ep called follow the power by Vincenzo Salvia and PJ Datri or whatever he's called. Anyway, this it's got like a Panther's face in a gold square with like fog and lightning and it just it's just so kick ass, dude. Nice. It's like Yeah. Atmospheric synth wave with like cool guitar over the top of it. Yeah. Um I Sweetie. need to get back into synthwave because I I had a time period of my life where I was like mad into it, and then mm-hmm. like I got sidetracked by a bunch of other stuff again. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it, definitely it, be... it
1: happens. There's a lot of music and a lot of stuff out there.
0: Yeah. And it just so happens that I find myself drawn to pretty much everything released between 88 and 92. <laughs> uh, Which this brings, brings, one of them. brings
1: us back to pretty yep. machine and well, head like a hole. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this song had, like, it, it, you could completely change the instrumentation on this to, like, just a full blown metal band and it would translate perfectly. Mm-hmm. But Nine Inch Nails, you know, Trent had such a unique vision where it was like, I'm going to do the pesh mode but metal, (laughs) you know, I know he probably wasn't thinking that he definitely wasn't thinking that. Yeah. But he made this, he made this like synth pop gone horribly dark. And I fucking love it. I love that whole album straight start to finish. Listen to it the other day on a drive back (laughs) um, from here to, to mine. And uh, yeah, it was just a, just one hell of a hell of a vibe going on on that yeah, whole album but that had, had like a Hole is the crown jewel
1: that that particular song got my daughter into 9 inch nails because that and that's the cuz I randomly put it in a playlist that we were listening to on the way to school and that's the only 9 inch nails I think I had ever played for her and then randomly a couple months back I went into her room to like you know talk to her about something and I look at her computer and she's playing the downward spiral I was just like oh yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, nice. I, and, I, and I was such a dork I was like oh my god that's such a great album and I'm like okay I'm gonna stop I'm gonna leave because I didn't want to yeah. ruin it for her I'm just like it's so awesome yeah. that you're listening to that but uh yeah
0: you're training her well she's, she's at this, at this hell point hell she's,
1: a- on, she's on her own like I, I sprinkle in some things here and there but she's at that age now she's about to be 13 so she's at that age where I think she's figured out what she likes and she's just picking through things old and new, you know, to find yeah. those things that work for her. And she listens to some, right. I'm actually taking her to her, her first legit concert. Um, well that nice. she, that she wanted to go to in, uh, in March it's, it's an artist called Jiraiya. And right. he is, he is literally like Mr. Bungle. <laughs> <laughs> like it's wow. like it's maybe <laughs> m- the metallic side has been shaved off a little bit. But every time I've heard a song from him, I'm like, this is fucking nuts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, how do you spell that? Because I want to save that. Uh, uh,
1: G. Oh, sorry. Not G. J. H. A. R. I. A.
0: H. I think he's a he's a he's a black dude. If you see him pop up. Yep. Jaria. Uh, risk, risk, risk. Flight of the Crows. Debt Collector. Yeah, yeah. Looks he's, cool. He's it's it's
1: very off the wall stuff, but it's 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 literally something where I'm like, I don't know what genre of music this would be, <laughs> but but we get to go <laughs> see him live. Like she wants to go see him, so we bought tickets, and I'm like, hell yeah, we're gonna go check this dude out and the band that he throws together, because that's just like, I know that's gonna be a blast. Because if you if you listen to the music, I'm just like, I don't know where his brain is, but man, that dude is. <laughs> that dude's all over the place, but he's he's cool.
0: Anyway, yeah, yeah. So 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 head like a whole for me is the soundtrack to you know still being too young to drive. So sat in the yeah. back of uh, sat in the back of uh, whatever car we had at the time with both headphones in, head back, uh, eyes shut, but just like tr- got nothing else to do but just like get transported somewhere yeah uh and uh any any southwest listeners out there uh will like this uh th- this song had like a whole strangely takes me back to going to trago mills which is a if, I, if i'm gonna describe this to you it's like a big ass um it's not really a supermarket it's like an all-purpose mega store okay. that looks like an old tudor building and um there's a bunch of peacocks around it and a nature walk it's this like okay it's really hard really hard to describe it truly is an experience all its own um it's kind of a labyrinthian place you know in terms <laughs> of navigating it but like there's so much stuff there but yeah there's just chickens and peacocks just fucking around out there um and it just very strangely head like a hole always takes me back to that time of my life because yeah. we were going to trego a lot for some reason yeah it's it's a uniquely cornish experience <laughs> nice yeah maybe one day i'll get to
1: go there i don't know hell yeah um, play a play you, a show there <laughs> yeah are you uh, are you are you done with your number uh, four
0: uh yeah 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 okay. had uh, like a hole yeah so my at number, number four
1: my number four <laughs> is the, probably the the least least known of songs uh but it 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 is easily that kind of thing I was talking about where I got so into something and something is so influential to me and then I figure out that most people aren't into this band or don't even know them. That and I bring them in even closer as one of the most important bands of my life. Um, uh the the number number four is the song Gray by Fudge Tunnel. Uh, and it legit was the first time because at this point I think I had already because this would have been 93, I think when I heard it. Um, this was the first time after kind of in my brain thinking, I think I would like to make music. Hearing this, this song was the first time that I went, I want to make exactly that. Like that was the first. (laughs) And because it was one foot in metal and one foot in like noise, weird noise music. And it just felt like the ultimate sort of outcast heavy music for me. And it's and it spoke to me because I always felt like I and I've always felt ever since that I just I didn't quite belong anywhere, but somehow belong in a lot of different places at the same time. And so, yeah, so that band, you know, they only put one more album out after that and then they dissolved and most people don't know who they are. Um hmm. So much so that like I always have to jump jump in when people talk about nail bomb and they go yeah that was Max's project I'm like ah Max and Alex Newport because mm. it's because he was very important to that project he was half of it um, but yeah Fudge Tunnel is one of those bands that was so influential to me so much so that the very first time I got together. So I had written and recorded just at home on my stereo, a batch of songs Mm. that I was referring to as an album. And for some reason, I guess, I don't know whose idea it was, or if I, or if I came up with it, but some of my friends were all like, well, let's get together and let's do like a one-time band and we'll play like a handful of your songs. And so this would have been 94. I think it was 94. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it, so I, maybe, maybe early 95. All I know is that, no, it was 94. Anyway, doesn't matter. Nobody remembers anyway. Um, but it was a house party with like 30, 40 people there. But my, a few of my friends, we they put together this one time band for me. And we did, I think, four of my own songs and then a couple cover songs. And one of them was Gray by Fudge Tunnel. It was, that's how much I was like, this is what I want to do. So I'm just going to play yeah. this song <laughs> in my set. And so, yeah, uh, it's it, the band has just been so important to me since then and still super important to me now. Like there's very few bands that I feel that kind of relationship with where they, they mean so much to me, but also they're underappreciated to me in so many ways. So, uh, so gray by fudge tunnel ends up being number four and that's the man. The next I'm looking at my next three, my my next three are like three of the probably most well-known songs. It's like, they're just like, duh songs. My next three.
0: (laughs) Nice. Um, well, we, we, come to another uh door in the corridor of taste that i need to tip my hat to
1: why did that all of a sudden make me think we were in harry potter i don't know why the corridor of taste
0: <laughs> <laughs> harry harry Potter and the corridor of taste in it that's that's uh it's <laughs> one of the one of the lost books we, we we need to go back in time and write that so that we can we ourselves can be characters in a in a massively successful franchise <laughs> Um but yeah, my number 3, I'm going to tip my hat to my 80s glam era. I was wondering when this was going to happen. Yep. Yeah, cuz you know, I find myself I'm much more of a fan of that era than I am of what a lot of those bands did post 1992-3. Yeah. You know, but that era in time is so important to my taste and a sizable chunk of what i listen to yeah. is from this style and this era but the song that triggered that is wild child by wasp
1: oh wow okay i yep. I, I don't know why i was like is it going to be white snake like what is it
0: <laughs> yeah this, this is the song that tipped me over the edge with, you know, I need to get into this because I yeah passively known the GTA vice city V rock soundtrack and thinking all the hair metal on that was cool. Yeah. Um, but I'd never, I thought I loved every song on that game, but I was like, I love everything here and I love eighties movies and I love metal and, um, uh, these this style has a crossover appeal for me so mm. when it finally clicked i was like oh man i mean it also might have something to do with the fact that i was in my first proper relationship and it was you know i was you know i i resonated a lot more with the words i want action tonight if yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah um, Yeah. so you know 16 year old eddie was lapping up um big hair 80s snares songs about doing it um but wild child had enough of that heavy grit to say hey look you know there's this whole thing over here that you're neglecting that you're really gonna like and i yeah you know eventually when i did with wasp you know i got into some of the lighter bands of that ilk but my favorite stuff was always stuff like wasp cinderella um and stuff that had a bit more of that hard edge going on yeah but also had massive fire hazards on their head um <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah um what can i serve up wild child badass song great um hooks blackie lawless's voice is killer just one of the most unique standout Ug- beautifully ugly voices out there like I I don't know how to describe it in a, in a way I always thought to myself if I'm going to have a singing voice I want something like that that's like ooh this guy's this guy's kind of kind of fucking menacing and I'm yeah. like yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah wild child wasp Set we, me on a uh, on my third deep dive, which was hair metal. We
1: we gotta and do, I do we gotta do Wasp at some point because that's another one of those yeah. bands that like I haven't found my way into. I know a lot of their songs, and, yeah, and they, and they and they're so right up my alley of something that I would get into. It just it hasn't yeah. happened
0: yet. It's, it's like Evil Rat, and I fucking love it. Yeah. It's. Um i have a hard time sometimes calling them a hair metal band, but they're so adjacent to that because yeah. they, they were darker and heavier they're like as heavy as that type of band got you know
1: yeah.
0: um so with that, you know wild child wasp twenty fourteen for me is when that walked into my life, and then twenty basically 2015, 16 17 and 18 were just a a gradual increase of glam overtaking grunge for a little while yeah and then eventually i found my way back to grunge coming full circle so i kind of simulated living through the 80s and having the 90s bring that to an end yeah um so all in all though i love all of this music here hence why it's in my top 10 songs of my life all so right. over to you for your number three.
1: Cool. My number three is uh, this was my introduction to this band. So I was, I uh, would have been, I don't know, 10, around 10, maybe 11. Um, And I remember there was a television show called Night Flight that would come on the USA Network. And it they would play everything from like weird kung fu movies uh just weird short films and they would play music videos a lot of which were metal um that's like the first time i saw like all we are by warlock was like on on night flight and stuff like that great song um <laughs> and um and it was the first time like that was also night flight was also where i saw what would eventually influence uh, the the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because there was an older <laughs> Japanese show and I don't know what the show was called but what Night Flight showed was they took the episodes and named it Dynaman and dubbed it over with the most ridiculous dialogue so it ended up being a <laughs> fucking campy stupid show but it was these yeah. It was essentially the Power Rangers, but it was, you know, years and years before or whatever. But anyway, yeah. so one, one night I'm sitting at home, just hanging out, and uh, this video comes on, and the video creeps me the fuck out. But the music was like, at that point, probably the heaviest thing that I had heard, but heavy enough to where it was very intriguing but I felt a little bit uneasy like this was adult music and I hmm. hadn't yet been tipped over there yet um do you have any idea what I'm when I'm going at here
0: <laughs> uh, enlighten me I'm looking um, forward to it
1: so uh the song is one by Metallica and wow it was it. They're my favorite band of all time, so that's it's a big deal for me because I didn't get into them at that point. Big, but it was mm. because that video is pretty heavy for an 11 year old kid. Um, and but all I know is that that the whole fucking last portion of the song, I remember as a kid yeah. just being so like that's the fucking coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and, but but it wasn't it wasn't for some reason. But I really do kind of remember having this feeling of I feel like that's for older people. Like, you know, I just mm. I, it didn't feel like it was anything I could get into at this point. But I mean, within a couple of years, I found my way there. But to me, it's one of the greatest songs ever. Like it's. Mm. Everything about it, it's just... And I think that's probably another reason why it's very important to me, because once I got into Metallica and I actually got to know this song, every... And hearing them play it live, because they always play it too fast. And I'm just like, (laughs) just slow the fuck down, Lars. And... But that's one of the things, is like, the tempo of the song is perfect. The... Mm. The songwriting, the way the song plays out is absolutely perfect. Like it's, yeah. Um, I, I once heard that, that Jack Black say that when you hear that song Tribute and they're talking about the greatest song in the world, that discussion started because he said that one was the greatest song ever written. Wow, And then it, and then it went to them writing a song that sounds nothing like that, but it's about not remembering the greatest song in the world or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, and I agree with them. Like it's, it, it would be a huge argument to ever try to come up with what I think the best song ever written is because I don't, there's too many factors that go into it because I'd have to be like, well, you know, one wouldn't exist without these other songs. So it'd be like, it's a huge fucking rabbit hole. But when it comes (laughs) to like metal of the eighties, especially the later eighties, one is like, gotta be the fucking best song of anything. It gets, it's it's just so great. And so, yeah. And so it ends up at number three, um, just because the my, my top two are way more influential on me in as a whole, but but one is really like the beginning of my life with my favorite band of all time. That is through ups and downs. You know, we went through our our down period late '90s, early 2000s, where we were still like that's the thing. If I was going to equate me and Metallica as like a marriage post-reload through St. Anger and up to Death Magnetic were like, we decided to separate, but I was still stalking my ex online and occasionally (laughs) we would get together and have sex, but we were technically (laughs) separated. But I was always that thing where I'm like, we're going to get back together someday. And then with Death Magnetic, we got back together and our marriage has been... Better than ever. <laughs> so, nice. So, uh, so, glad to hear it. <laughs> so it's like the so it's like the uh, the uh, the the song one is like the begin. It's like the looking across the cr- the crowded bar, and you see that woman, and you go, "Oh man, if only I had the nerve to go talk to her." And that her, <laughs> that her is the song one by Metallica. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just had it I just had like an image in my hand of James uh, Heffield or Lars <laughs> no, no, no I just had had this image in my head. just that if, if you go and, you know when you're at a bar and you like lock eyes with a woman across the room and you just go Landman
1: has taken us <laughs> 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 oh, oh man well, I mean, hey man, I, 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 guess, I guess there's a you, you could make that you can make an, a, a connection there too because I've always, when I was younger, I would never go go talk to the hot woman. I would immediately feel mm. like I was paralyzed, much like the man in the song. One, <laughs> all of a sudden, I wouldn't be able to move. I'd just be like, all right, you know, it's like you know, my, you know, my friend would be like, why don't you go talk to her? And I'd be like, I can't remember anything.
0: You know, it's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Boobies have taken my sight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so
1: uh so yeah, number 3 is <laughs> one.
0: Cool. Uh so I arrive at the uh the last chronological one that I'm going to mention here. All right. Um now I've mentioned, you know, all the everything up to this point has either been um 80s or 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna kick it back to the 70s, and the song that made me want to check out the 70s. Oh,
1: I, I can, I can, I guess.
0: You can guess. Is it "Hold
1: the Line" by Toto? It's
0: not. <laughs> no. Although that has probably narrowed something down. Um,
1: <laughs> I just know. I know that one's important to you. So.
0: Yep. Uh, it it very much is, which is why my number two is Strutter by Kiss. Oh, and it's yeah. funny
1: that we're that we, we mentioned this today because last night was the last quote unquote Kiss show where they yep. now annou- they now announced that they are going to live on as avatars, and I immediately go. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, like, I love KISS. I don't, I've unapologetic every era of KISS. Fu- I fucking it, love them. And whatever this it is, means I,
0: they're going to go hang out with these blue people. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just, it, it's like,
1: whatever this is, I know I'm going to enjoy it in some way or another. But I'm also just like, look, you're going to have to give me some more information than this little brief description of like we're going to live on as avatars. I'm like, it sounds nice, but what does that really mean? Cuz like cuz it's like are you are you just going to, you know, program an AI thing to exist for eternity where it just randomly brings up new kiss things via AI. Yeah. That actually sounds pretty cool. I actually do that. Do that, kiss, mm. okay?
0: Anyway, strutter strutter from 1974, um, Dang, yeah. Man. So that this is another San Andreas song, but it's on a different station. So the the KDST mm-hmm. classic rock station that plays stuff from the uh, 70s and early 80s. Yeah, with the notable exception of uh, "Running Down a Dream" by Tom Petty, but you know, he's a 70s fits. artist. Yeah, it fits, and it it was a song popular in the late eighties and early nineties. So, but it works yeah. anyway. Strutter by Kiss. I just remember yeah. hearing this, and just the the swagger and the charisma and the riffs, just everything in this song just oozes. We're a great band, and we fucking know it. Yeah. And yeah, it, it there's just something about the hunger of a band that was in its infancy that would go on to conquer the earth um but knowing deep down that it was fully conceivable you know with songs like this um but I, i always just this song just puts me in a in a again it's like everything about you i'm never not in the mood for this song and it always puts me in a good mood when whenever it is on and it's one of those where i hear the and i just hear oh yeah you know whenever it shows up on shuffle or anything like that i'm like all right stopping whatever i'm doing yeah just gonna air guitar that down out, down out, out, down out, down out, down out, down out, down out.
1: You know the the first the first time I ever heard that song, it was the one entitled "Strutter '78." off of uh mm. double platinum so it's got that kind of disco shuffle going on in it and it's, yeah and i was just like i mean i like that song but fi- finally hearing the real version i was just like ah it's a little better like this actually
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and and i always i always loved this song um and it's why i, I always i eventually came around to the like classic rock station in that game because it was like yeah I I i had been spoiled by the heaviness of the stuff on Radio X. So I was kind of like at the time I liked it, to me heavy was 80s and onwards. So yeah, yeah. with the exception of like Black Sabbath, up to that point 70s mixes always sounded kind of weak to me, but then something clicked where I was like oh no no now I get it. Now I find myself in a 70s mood and I'm like okay, you know this hit's different because it's a different vibe, you know. Yeah. Not because, you know, not 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 every riff needs to sound like dime bags playing it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, shockingly enough, how a Pantera song has not ended up on my list is beyond me. I I've, I've like a
1: fucking Kiss song didn't end up on my list. That's like, yeah. there's, there's so many things that I left off that hurt my heart that I had to stop thinking about it and just work with yeah. what I had put in here. <laughs>
0: that's why i chose to do what were like what were the pivotal songs for me yeah. that changed something about me or changed a taste or gave me a new one um yeah. so yeah that was my f- first foray into the 70s classic rock stuff yeah. of which i have since done a massive big old deep dive uh and that one's still ongoing cuz i i have yet to mine much of the gold that is the 70s. Yeah. Over to you.
1: <laughs> awesome. My number 2 is is uh we're heading back to the 90s. And the my story with this song is the same as tons of people around my age. Um I was uh i Was just becoming a teenager I was 13 years old And I had gotten into A lot of rock music A little bit of metal And um. But to me Like The You know Like I I never thought about making music Because Rock musicians Were The big ass poster Mm. on my wall These larger than life Motherfuckers And I was like I That's not me I don't feel that in me and then um, one night I'm watching, I think this was, it It was either Headbangers Ball or Alternative Nation, or what was it called? 120 Minutes. I think it was probably Headbangers Ball because I was like on and off watching that by 91. Um, but they played the video for the first time, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. And it was ki- kind of like, you know, a few other things on my list where it immediately, I was like, I talked to my older brother and I was like, I need to go to the record store and I need to get this album like right now. Hmm. Um, And the next day we went and I got it on cassette because it was, you know, it's cheaper that way. But um yeah. it was the beginning of, it was the, it was the combination of the song, which is one of the greatest songs ever on top of th- what the band looked like. And I just remember just sort of looking at them and thinking like, they don't look like rock stars mm-hmm. and it, and it's, and they, but they look really cool though, but they look really cool in a way that like, I feel like I'm, I know these guys or I could be one of those guys. And, it was like a real a switch went off in me at that point where like I really started to think about I should just I, I wonder if I could make my own music and and you know, mm-hmm. it led me in that in that in that uh direction and not only that when I started to, to learn I started to learn how to play guitar a couple of years later the Nirvana catalog was a big deal because it's great for a beginner guitar player. It's not, it's not that hard, but it's cool, great songs, and you get to play along with these great songs, but you're learning how to play guitar by playing these things that aren't insanely challenging, but you're getting to know the instrument. And so, like, yeah, Smell Like Teen Spirit is, ju- is I really don't know if I would have fully gotten into making my own music if it wasn't for that song and that album. I mean, something else could have been the catalyst. I don't know, but it just so happens that this was. And just the fact that I was 13. I think everything was time and place because I was the perfect age for that song. Like, whenever they talk about, like, you know, the alternative grunge kids, um, this music is speaking to these kids. Like, that was me. Like, I was, you know, so I, I hear people that are, like, slightly older Gen Xers, And they'll just be like, yeah, it just didn't do anything for me. I'm like, yeah, it's, of course it didn't do anything for you. You were not 13. Like it's, like it's, uh, it it just, it spoke to me in just some sort of way where I was just like, everything about it, it's aggressive, but melodic. It's got a huge fucking sound to it, but it's, it's, it, you know, feels like almost like, I mean, at at the time, I don't think I really even had an idea of what punk was, although I did, I did own, Troops of Tomorrow by by Exploited. So I had an idea of some punk stuff. But it all kind of felt like that. And I was just like, that just feels so great. And so yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a song that I don't think could ever be overplayed for me. Um still has the same impact every single time I hear it. I it's yeah, it's an amazing track um on its own, but also in my life so my number two ends up being smells like teen spirit
0: very nice which uh, leads us to our number one picks what are our top songs of all time and uh, I, I'm just gonna say this now hold the line I've, I ruined it's <laughs> the fucking best song all time Yeah, yeah. every single note of this song is a 10. Yeah. I fucking, I, Hold the Line has been with me since before I even really knew how a guitar worked, where it was like, I first heard Hold the Line on... GTA San Andreas again. Like, half of this list is San Andreas' is doing. Um, yeah. But this song, for me, still gives me goosebumps now. And I it immediately transports me back to being about 10 years old, hopping in, like, a plane in the desert at night in this game, firing up the engine, and very first thing that happens is, bruh! Take off. Bam! Down, And thinking, like, I was the coolest motherfucker. I might as well have been sat with aviators on while playing this game because I was just there, mesmerized by this, like, perfect childhood moment of just being on top of the earth. And just. Not to mention the incredible performance from everyone in Toto. Yeah. And I'm going to come out here and not only say that Hold the Line is what I believe the greatest song of all time. It is opinion. Yeah. However, what is quite possibly ob- objectionable, not objectionable, objective fact is that Toto might just be the best band. <laughs> just, just, I'm just going to say it. You get six session dudes together. Mm-hmm. These motherfuckers write Hold the Line, Africa, Rosanna, all of these incredible songs that run the gambit all the way from classic rock to pop in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then, like the fact that these guys wrote Africa and a song like falling in between or kingdom of desire. Those are some Toto deep cuts that we covered in our Toto episodes. Um, To anyone who doesn't think Toto can do heavy rock, I implore you to listen to the song falling in between, right this fucking moment, pause this, listen to that, <laughs> and come back with your findings, because i'm I'm about to tell all the peanut butter platypuses out there as a metalhead, as a grunge fan, Toto is still the best band. <laughs> And, you know, I would call them like I wouldn't necessarily say they're in my top five bands of all time, but they are that sixth band that's there. And I just can't help but feel as though like everything they're they're one of those bands where I care about everything they've done. Yeah. And, you know, some bands I like, you know, I dip in and I'm like, I like this era of this band. Mm -hmm. and everything else is kind of like i like the odd song here or there but toto is one of those ones where you know right from album one to the most recent i am pretty much 100 percent on board yeah um but it just so happens that hold the line just means so much to me in a sense that it's it's never lost its effectiveness as a song but also transports me back to such an exciting important part of my life th- where, you know, I had so much ahead of me and I didn't even know it. So this song kind of signals to me it was one of the first times that music had the effect of giving me those goosebumps, you know. Yeah. And I and I thought I thought to myself, well, I was almost kind of scared by this power because I was there like, oh my god, what is happening? I feel incredible. <laughs> and um, yeah, hold the line by toto it sits far above everything else in my play count like yeah here's hold the line and here's everything else you know uh it'll always be it'll always be my favorite song i think just hands down of anything ever yeah that whole album's great.
1: Like that's the I bought that album on vinyl. I was I was so impressed by that album because it's just yeah because because the the album doesn't all sound like hold the line. Like that's the thing is that is that they it you wouldn't even know that was the same band really except for you know the vocalist is similar in other songs too. But yeah,
0: I I remember you really liked Girl Goodbye. Down 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 down. I, I'd, I'd quite happily just do the Toto episodes again <laughs> well, right,
1: right now we got, we got Farty Mike starting up oh. so we have a Farty Mike segment of the show never, never met him <laughs> <laughs> there he is again Farty Mike <laughs> now we're back because the the fartiness Farty Mike has left the building and that will um, allow me to get onto my number one song, uh, nice. the number one song of my life. And this had to go there because my entire life that's led me up to here all starts with me not only getting into rock music, but getting into like my own thing. Because prior to this song, I was listening to what whatever was was you know popular on you know regular ass radio, but mostly what my older brothers were listening to. Um, you know, I was into like I mean I did I did get into Michael Jackson. That was my first thing where I was like a big fan of something. But you know, everybody was into Michael Jackson and I listened to like Madonna yeah. and Huey Lewis and all this shit. But none of that music had that feeling of like something that I discovered that was kind of my thing. And um mm. That all starts with this particular song. And there's there's yeah, there's two songs around the same time, but this would be this has to be the one because it was the one that led me to buy this album and then led me into rock music, which led me into metal, which blah 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 blah, so on and so forth. And I I am here before you today as old head. It all starts with the song Jump by Van Halen. Wow. And so that, like, I really feel like that—that that is it. There's every like, and I—I I, sure I was a little kid. I was like six or something when I heard this. I think, mm-hmm. um, but I have such memories of seeing this video for the first time on MTV, um, getting the album on cassette, being so obsessed with it that the songs just kind of lived in my head. Um, like I have a I have a clear memory of my parents, and my dad, kept throughout my life trying to get me to get into sports, and I and I don't want to be in sports, but he hmm. got me into being into a t-ball team, which t-ball is like little kid baseball, but the ball is set on top of a little stick, and you just yeah. whack it off the stick. It's a it's not there's no pitcher, although there was still a kid that would go like this. <laughs> and I'm like, why is he even there? That's the shittiest job ever. But I hated doing it so much. So much so that that I but I have a clear memory of like, well, I, I had to be in the outfield ready for some balls to roll my way. There was no no nobody's hitting balls in the air. But I clearly remember in my brain, just like out there and in my brain, I'm doing. And balls are just rolling, and I'm not. I'm not paying any fucking attention because yeah. I didn't care. But I did care about Van Halen. Like I was so just like it was like that. I would wear out the the D the D size batteries in my boombox. I had a little boombox, wow. and they only it only took it took like four D size batteries, the big ass thick ones. Mm-hmm. And I would be in my backyard with that motherfucker cranked with 1984 all the way through to the point where I I was, you would start hearing the sound dis- degrading because the batteries were running out. And I was just like, oh, yeah. I did it again. But I just, I loved this album so much. And it, and Jump was the song that got me into it. And, and yeah, it really is responsible for, I, I feel like putting me on the path that I was on. Now you could say that I was probably meant for that path, and it would have been some other song, uh, but you know, but Jump was the one that did it, and um, and I could say objectively, Van Halen's the greatest band of all time. But yeah, <laughs> but I because I love I love every. I've gotten to the point now where I we, we talk, we've talked about this before. Um, I've gotten to the point where I just love, like I I, I love David Lee Roth for what he did. I love Sammy Mm -hmm. Hagar for what he did. I'm even cool with Gary Cherone, Um, but it's it's Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, and um, that other guy, Michael Anthony. Anthony. Those guys playing together is to me one of the most pleasing things you could ever listen to. It's just so like as a band, I just listen to those dudes. And I'm just like, oh, they're so fucking good. And maybe there is a little bit of that, that seed was planted early on. So the first thing that that I heard were those combinations of, of players. And, um, so, uh, yeah, jump is just super important to me. Um, I don't think it's an, it's, it's nowhere near the best Van Halen song. In fact, it's pretty damn cheesy, but, but I can't deny the importance and impact that it had on my life. So, hmm. um, Jump had to go had to go at number one. So, there we go.
0: Great music video, too. Like, I, I love that yeah. video so much. Yeah.
1: That one and the Panama video were both big for me when I was a kid. Because I was just like, these are fun-ass rock dudes. I love
0: it. Yeah. You know? and I, I just remember, like, <clears throat> marveling at the size of Alex Van Halen's kit. Because... <laughs> That that was the first. I think that might have been, with the exception of Live Ship Binge and Purge, that might have been the first time I saw a drum kit that was like way bigger than your standard four or five piece drum set. Yeah. Like, like, cause, cause my idea of a big drum set was the white Tama kit that Lars had during the Black Album. Oh. Um, yeah. You yeah. Know, the six toms, two bass drums. I mean, that's what i have you know half of it's not set up right now so it doesn't look very impressive but yeah uh, you know it's all there some of it's packed up for a for a show but
1: it's... and then eventually and then eventually you see an 80s photograph of neil peart <laughs> yeah
0: yeah you, you, you end you end up <laughs> you end up at the logical conclusion of the likes of neil peart and um and i've Alex got Van wood blocks
1: Haley. i've got chimes i've got the d- digital yeah. pads here i've got a gong behind me i've got some other little toms that go around behind me it's like it's <laughs> like it got to the point where where it's just, it's just like and i love the fact that he would he would play all that shit yeah like even if did, it was did, for a second
0: just for a second did neil pierre ever do that thing where the drum set was so big he needed multiple seats
1: no but he would but his seat would rotate
0: like right, he, he would do I his see. he
1: would do his drum solo and he would turn around um, yeah and, but and I, but I think in the early days he just got up and turned around and sat on the other side just to play the other things because' yeah. not, not only that he he also they also had the little the what the fuck were they called um you would have like a like a like a xylophone vibraphone kind of thing but then you'd also have the little. They look like little tubes, but they would make little sounds. Boom, boom. Oh, um,
0: tubular bells. See, tubular of thing.
1: Lab, I mean, he had like all that fucking shit, and so yeah, man, that's like that's so much. That's like the kind of th- th- the dream of like if I was like a, a millionaire, yeah, I would I would have uh, I would have them put together a replica of the of Neil Peart at the most amount of gear that he ever had. Yeah, I'm like, just recreate <laughs> that in this room, so I can occasionally just go there and just be. like, <laughs> <of a> place. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like that's, that's living the dream right there
0: the drum kit I always wanted growing up was the uh, it was the Mike Portnoy purple monster kit that just basically took every percussion instrument in existence turned it into a Neil Peart style condensed massive drum set uh-huh. where you were just basically encased in shells Hardware and fucking, um, it just everything around you made a different sound. Yeah, like to the point where I even had a set of Critalis set up on the fucking thing. Which, I, like. Do you, God damn. Do you? Th- is it weird that that? Um,
1: t- rolls on like tiny toms has almost like an ASMR thing for me I'm like, with you. Yeah. like I'll hear like if there's a drum solo and there's a little bit where they play like on tiny toms like yeah, I just super it satisfying. feels it feels so good I don't know what it is yeah. it feels weird but also
0: well, uh, satisfying at the same time you'll be pleased to know I have a set of those
1: oh of course Oh yeah, yep.
0: yep. Got a real tiny one as well, but he's like way over in the corner. Nice. I won't bust out the tiny one on the show though.
1: <laughs> but you know, but you know who else <laughs> had a fantastic drum kit in the '80s? Alex Van Halen. So they'll they would bring bring me right back to them to my song. Very nice. Um, yeah, mid, mid '80s, Alex Van Halen's drum kit's pretty fucking rad. Um, anyway, so that's it. That's it for our do we do, do we need to celebrate this one? It's not a band discography. I almost feel like it's not necessary. Um yes, we've accomplished yes. it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we
1: did that. Um so yeah, that was our top 10 songs of our lives. Yeah. And um, that was that was an interesting discussion and interesting uh process for me for getting them there, but Honestly, the, at least half of these songs would never leave this list. Other ones, they might move around or other songs mm. could come in. But I I really don't think so because it's like, you know, that, that period that that because everything here is, is you know, teenage years or a little bit of childhood and then and then Mastodon. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> how, how often is that going to happen in my life? But mm. you never know. So, uh, yeah, so that, that was, that, that was fun. And peanut butter platypus to all of you. And, and, uh, we've got two more episodes for this year. Yeah. And, uh, the next episode we will be ranking our last band ranking of the year. And it is one of the most influential rock bands ever. One of them. Yeah. Cause yeah. Like, pe- people have had some guesses and I'm like, that's also an influential band, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think I think in in our lives, the kind of music that Eddie and I love the most, hmm. it's a whole lot of bands that would point to this band, and um, and we're gonna try to do it all in one episode. So it might be a, it yeah. might be a, a chunky boy just like this one. So, yeah. uh, but then after that, we have our holiday special, uh, which will be um, a lot of fun as usual. Mm -hmm. And, um, I gotta, I gotta get a Christmas sweater so I can dress for the occasion. Um, I'm gonna try to find that way too many. (laughs) I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to find that diehard Christmas sweater and order it for myself. Nice. (laughs) Anyway. Um, all right. So that's at the end of this episode and, uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back next week, um, with the mystery band. That, yeah. you know, once you see the name pop up everyone's like oh yeah <laughs> of course <laughs> but uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you again then but uh, that's it for this episode of Cranked and Ranked the CNR sidebar if you will and as usual I'm going to throw it over to Eddie Sparks to take us out later dude
0: da 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 whoa whoa, whoa. Hold the line Later dude Later dude yeah. Hey bye, everyone yeah. <laughs> <laughs>